When you disarm the people, you commence to offend them and show that you distrust them, either through cowardice or lack of confidence, and both of these opinions generate hatred. These were the words of the infamous Italian diplomat Niccolo Machiavelli. And uh, today we will be discussing the up-and-coming Italian elections, uh, which were supposed to have been held last year, uh, next year, sorry, but uh, we, we've had uh, an early snap election. And uh, I'm very happy today to introduce my guest, uh, uh, Davide Quadri, who is the International Secretary of the Youth Wing of the Lega Party, which is uh, Salvini's uh, party. So uh, welcome to the show, Davide. Thank you for inviting us, and thank you for the time. Uh, so before we start, could you just tell us a little bit about yourself and your political journey? Yeah, I'm uh, Davide Quadri, I'm 29 years old. Uh, I'm the International Secretary of the Youth of Lega, so I'm basically in charge of the, all the foreign affairs and the foreign relationship for the youth branch of uh, Salvini Party. And uh, I work in the European Parliament as a political advisor for the group where Lega is, so uh, in democracy. And uh, I have uh, uh, a degree in economics and I'm finishing a master in economy and uh, business law. So my background is both economical and, uh, and political. I joined the party when I was 16. So it's already a long journey, uh, 12 years, even more. And then uh, I, I mean, I'm active. I, I was active as a local chairman of the youth of Lega here in Varese, where Lega was held. And then uh, also in, uh, when, when Lega was born also in, uh, in Varese and then also international province uh, department uh, chairman of the youth also of Varese. And then I was in charge of the foreign affairs since uh, six or seven years already. So let's just set the scene. Um, 2018, we have arguably a political earthquake in Italy where we have a coalition between a, arguably a populist left-wing party, the Five Star Movement, and the populist right-wing party, the Lega. So how, how does that come about and how does it fall apart quite quickly? Yeah, it was for uh, almost one year of government. Uh, we started with, uh, it was a very interesting moment because the Five Star was the biggest group in the parliament and the biggest party in the election. They took, they took around the 33, 34% during that time. So it was the big shockwave also in the political system because also the left was uh, really, really low and it was destroyed by, by crashed by this uh, five star uh, wave. And then, uh, and then we, with the pressure also of the president of the Republic that uh, give the duty to the, the biggest party to start the negotiation. Then we, we reached an agreement with the five star during the moment. And uh, we started this uh, populist experiment that uh, at the beginning was very productive also for the people because it's still, still now a, pop, a very popular government, this one, because it was a really, a really good government of uh, the change because it was a changing government because uh, no old face of the left or, or the center right was in charge during that time. But then uh, ruling with this government, ruling with the five star, was quite impossible for us because it was a really 
many, many obstacles that was not helping us to deliver what we campaigned for. And then uh, there was this um, political crisis that in the summer of the 19th, left uh, to Salvini the only option to quit the government and then uh, not not election was called despite that there was no majority in the parliament anymore but as usual the left in Italy came back to power they came back with a five star because we, something that is important to know from Italy is that uh, the in Italy we have a system party and it's the the left is a Partito Democratico that usually yeah. represents the system and the status quo. Uh, so it's the party of the, ju- the judicial system, of the public worker of the union, the big union, the corporate union. Otherwise, because they're not really worker union anymore, uh, they don't represent uh, anymore so much uh, the, the worker, but they pretend to be like that. And so it, uh, this government uh, was the Conte Chu government, so they keep the same prime minister. So it explains how the, the five-star decided to openly go to the left already since the beginning, because otherwise it was impossible to keep the same prime minister. And then uh, the, this experiment uh, went over, especially for COVID, because COVID for them was really helpful because it used, it stopped the political activity, it stopped the society for almost a two years. And so it was, uh, it was very productive for people in charge during that period. And then, uh, and then after the, the the tough situation of COVID was uh, nearly dissolved, uh, there was another political crisis between, between uh, inside the left, with the Renzi and his uh, mm. more liberal party, Italia Viva, uh, call out a uh, Conte and call out the Five Star, and so it was needed a unity government. A national unity government with us uh, and, and Forza Italia, so with uh, two parties of the right get along with the left uh, and the five star. And uh, was this Draghi government when uh, Mario Draghi decided to go in the political arena and decided to at least be prime minister, called by the president of the republic. The we 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 as a representative of the. The, the north of Italy, basically, because we rule uh, pretty every region on the north of Italy, mm-hmm. together with uh, the the right wing bloc, and then also we rule 15 out of 20 region in Italy as a central right government. We were in charge. We were our duty to at least try to be inside this government and deliver something. Uh, it was productive in some issue, but not on everything, and especially in the approaching to the election because generally the election will be held next uh, next year uh, was totally clear that also this government was a bit broken and the five star especially uh, they, are, they were collapsing in the poll and uh, they forcing the hand of Mario Draghi putting some uh, agenda some stuff on the table together with the left and that uh, put the government in the corner because it was a paralyzed the parliament was paralyzed by by the left that was trying to push a very extreme argument on the on the votes every time about LGBTQ agenda or about uh, immigration and citizenship, especially. That was the two biggest topic that they were trying to to put on the table and that was very destabilizing for, for us. And so the parliament don't have the number to approve it. And this put uh, pushed the, the Draghi government into, into the end. And then at the end, it was impossible for Draghi 
to stay in charge and to have a majority with uh, this enfrontment in the parliament. And then finally, the president of the republic uh, called for a snap election that uh, will be in 10 days from now, 25 of September. And uh, a lot of people watching Italian politics in the last few years have seen or they, they comment that um, there's been a huge democratic deficit. Uh, firstly, in uh, I think Italy's not had an elected prime minister since 2013. And then in 2018, there was the controversy when uh, President Mattarella was, was blocking the appointment of a Eurosceptic uh, economic minister by uh, the Lega party. Um, and then instead of calling elections when uh, Salvini uh, left the coalition, uh, there was a, a bit of a dodgy backdoor deal made. What, what is the feeling of the Italians at the moment when it comes to democracy? Well, that's, uh, that's quite true because uh, the people is very disaffected with this political system because uh, there is no real connection between what you vote and what is the parliament and what is the government. Uh, this, uh, this strong parliamentary republic is a, is a really um, uh, not, it's, it's representing the people because we have a decent system between a mix of majoritarian elections like in the UK with a constituency and then also proportional. So we have a mm. good representation on that. And also the threshold is not very high. Yeah, even for a new party like now with uh, this uh, Italexit party or more populist party, uh, left-leaning, that can try to approach uh, the, the threshold and they can pass it. It's not uh, impossible. The point is that after the, the parliamentary game is not really delivering what people is voting for because we don't have a strong majority of some, uh, of some coalition like the right wing or the left wing. And then after that, the parliamentary game are uh, distorting what is the result. And then we have always this um, tendency recently for this national unit, national unit for everything, not politically in dividing stuff, but only national unity. And at the end, the society is polarizing on that, but it's polarizing without a representation of this polarization. That is the, so this is a huge divide. And that's why also we don't have a huge turnout in the election anymore. Usually Italy have a long, uh, have a long history of huge turnout. And now the number are very low is between uh, 60% maybe of the of mm. turnout. Uh, if you compare to Sweden that had the election last week and was 85 percent, 83, 85, it's 25 less. Uh, so 25 point less. So we people is uh, really tired of this. That's why also and uh, generally the lower turnout is uh, good for the left because these uh, the apparatus, the, the, the deep state that we can say tend to vote every time. Uh, normal people maybe get disaffected and don't show up to the polls, so they don't vote. We have a system that we don't have to register to vote, not like in uh, in the US. So people don't have to register to vote; they can go and they have this their right their right to vote. But still, it's not mandatory like in Belgium. So it's uh, that's why also this turnout is quite low, and uh, people is disaffected for that because there is this. Uh, it's tired that say that even if we vote, the people that we vote uh, never gonna make it because then the swamp are gonna solve it in another direction. So that is, and that's also why 
the populist party are usually very strong. They're becoming very strong because of that, because people is tired of that. And let's just talk a little bit about um, the parties and alliances for this election. So firstly, you have the center-left alliance, which essentially is the Democratic Party, and then you have smaller uh, what what are they pushing for this election? What what are their main policies? It's it's very tough to understand it because the these uh, the left in the left wing coalition between the Democratic Party and the Greens uh, are really are not campaigning on issues anymore, but but they are campaigning only against uh, the yeah. right wing bloc. They are campaigning only on this uh, democratic emergency because the right is winning. The fascist emergency, uh, uh, yeah. the fascists are coming back, and blah, 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 blah. So at the end, they are not campaigning on many issues. And that's why they are struggling also in the poll. They are stuck at between 25 or 26, nothing more, because it's their, it's their backbone. They, can, they, they cannot go too low. They, cannot, they never go behind 20% in, uh, in the poll. Because the, there is this society that is representing them, union worker, very uh, hardcore union worker, because generally these affected people of the union voted for the right, but they still have this uh, soldier of the of the left, or also mm. ecolo ecologist activists, and then uh, public workers, most of them, because if you work in the private, you want the taxation, and so generally they tend to vote on the right. So they have these, uh, these 20% of uh, people that show to the poll every time for them. And the lower is the turnout, bigger is the result for us because they have the same number. They're stuck in this zone. They, cannot, they don't grow too much. They only grow once when there was Matteo Renzi, but Matteo Renzi was campaigning in a new platform, like a, a new platform of more liberal party, more uh, anti-corruption, more like the new face of the left. So we are uh, throwing in the bin of the old guy of the left. But now this now that the Partido Democratico is back with the old guy, with the same face of every time that are in the parliament for almost 30, 40 years. So that's why they don't have a huge, they're not scoring a lot in the polls. Then we have uh, on the left of the Partido Democratic Party, maybe we can say that we have the five star on the left of them in some issue, not in every issue. But in some issue, they are campaigning on the left of the Democratic Party. Okay. But uh, the Five Star Movement have rejected uh, to enter the coalition this time. They're, they're on their own this time, I believe. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They yeah. are campaigning their own campaign. And they are campaigning a quite good and successful campaign, looking in the poll, how they are coming back a bit. Mm. And now they are stabilizing between 15 and 10 percent that it was not expected because uh, there was yeah. fear that maybe they're going to collapse uh, way lower. And that is uh, basically the result of many issues. But uh, one is cultural. They are fighting very well on the on the left of the Democratic Party in some issue as a welfare. They are pushing for a very strong welfare state, uh, citizenship, citizenship income for everyone. Uh, so this very populist left campaigning and also on the war they are campaigning on uh, the war in ukraine they are campaigning on the left and the way that they are campaigning for uh 
peace, for uh, stay out of the war, not mm. get involved, not deliver any weapon or any war uh, help to Ukraine is not our issue. Uh, Italy refused war. So because in our constitution is written that Italy refused war, but it can act on self-defense. So they are campaigning very aggressive on this topic. Oh, okay. And uh, on the left, and also the, the people that is fed up with the US, with the NATO, because mm. they saw mm. the, the NATO as a capitalistic uh, uh, architecture and stuff like that. So they are campaigning very well in this segment of the society on the left. That is reapproaching to the to the pipeline. And then uh, I think that also the splitting between the Conte and Di Maio was very helpful for Conte because uh, he made uh, him as a victim. He can say, look at the swamp, he's corrupting our people like Di Maio and always uh, sold his soul to the Democratic Party just to stay in power. So we still the real anti-system. We still the real anti-establishment party. And this was working, in, especially in the south of Italy. This is working very well. They are they're still the strongest party in the south of Italy, maybe. They can be in some way, in some zone like Naples and this neighborhood, it can be the biggest party in, uh, in the south. And then uh, also because uh, the brother of Italy is not campaigning very strongly on the, on the south. He's most focused on the north of Italy, just to make a war to Lega. So it's, uh, there is a, also a debate inside the right, but they are campaigning a lot on the north, uh, way more than was, that was, that was expected. And that is, that is uh, leaving some free space to the anti-establishment uh, five-star in the south. The, south, the five-star are campaigning basically only in the south, where they have a huge chance of elect people, and they are campaigning very well on that. Leaving because they don't have any competition on the right, because the Lega historically is seen as a, is, as a north-leaning party, mm. more productive, more liberal on economics. And uh, usually the, the brother of Italy and the Movimento Sociale Italiano, as they, they are the same legacy, they have the same symbol, uh, was also so was a, a, a social right. So uh, for state in the economy, for state... Uh, in, uh, in the public company, we, they, they, they are fighting to keep uh, the, the national uh, airways uh, held by the state. So this is an argument that uh, won votes in the south of Italy, where mm. the, the, the approach to the economy is less liberal than in the north, is more uh, of welfare state. And back, they are now the Fratelli d'Italia is campaigning less on this issue leaving the floor open to the Falser, just to campaign on the right, uh, following Lega and trying to uh, go to keep votes from out of from the, same, the same coalition, but not uh, from the outside. And let, let's just talk about the center-right alliance then, because it's, it's very interesting, because in a lot of countries, uh, like France, for example, the right has always struggled to unite and often it's it's allowed people like Macron to, to continue to be elected but here we, we have a coalition between the, the brothers of Italy, Lega, Forza Italia which is Berlusconi's party and then other smaller parties so how have they managed to unite where in other countries it, it has failed? Well usually in the right we have the history in Italy we have the history of uh, coalition uh, also, the electoral law is pushing for that. 
And this was a great result made by Berlusconi when he was smart enough in the beginning of the 90s to normalize to, to Lega and to get uh, together with, with him, with Lega and also with Movimento Sociale Italiano. Uh, because with the Second Republic, uh, uh, Berlusconi was a very good uh, playmaker, playing uh, the, the kingmaker because it was the biggest party, but it was working with other small party, the localist Lega and uh, the, fe- the neo-fascist uh, Movimento Sociale Italiano. Or the post-fascist, maybe it's better to call post-fascist then. Movimento mm-hmm. uh, Italiano, and then keeping them uh, together in uh, in the same coalition. It was a was a, the unicum that we have in Italy because if you we see other party is not uh, it doesn't work like that. Even in Germany, they don't mean a coalition like that and everything. But uh, was a was a good result from uh, a smart move from uh, from Berlusconi that helped him to stay in power for so many years. And uh, now this uh, coalition is uh, approaching. We get along together also in the regional level. We, we, we rule 15 out of 20 regions in Italy and even more, maybe. So we can, we are good uh, in the good term when uh, we, we, we start to find, uh, when we find a, a solution to stay together. In the national level, it's a bit less complicated, it's a bit more complicated for also the, the strategy and uh, the attention of the leadership. Now we can say that the strongest leadership in the right is Georgia Meloni because she's polling uh, 20, 22% in the poll. And then uh, Lega is polling between 10 and 15, and then Berlusconi party between 7 and 8, or maybe 10 if in the, in the better case scenario. And then we have the Christian Democrat small party around 2 or 3%. Mm. So that is uh, the state of the arts right now. Uh, but then we still have some infighting and some different approach on some issue. As I say, the 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 border uh, of Italy is com- now is campaigning more to get more votes in the north. Uh, so it's campaigning more on the same issue as the Lega, but with a different uh, history because on um, some issue like a local autonomy and federal state, we are the only party campaigning for that since the beginning. They are now saying something like that, but it's not their, their not on their program. Uh, and then also on the economy, they have an history of less liberal party about economy and taxation than now they pretend to be. So that is the like also Berlusconi party is more on the on the liberal side of the economic connection compared also to to Fratelli. So this is a block that are this that is are usually are more geographically because as I say the. The, the geography in Italy is very important to explain also uh, socially and, the, and politically the situation between two souls uh, of the country, the north leaning and the south leaning, that in economy they split, basically, and also socially they kind of split, uh, maybe socially less than other countries, but we still have a more liberal north than a more conservative south, and it's about the social issue generally. Uh, if you go, if you take uh, this the big city, especially, but if you go in the countryside of Lombardy or Veneto or Piemonte, uh, they are the same, not the same, but they are still conservative compared to the mm. big city, uh, but maybe less conservative compared to the south countryside. That is, uh, and that explains the two, the different, uh, the different path that the party have, and then also explain why also the five star. Are, are left leaning in many issues, but not on the social issue. They mm. never campaign for uh, 
least the citizenship of migrants uh, or uh, yeah. for LGBTQ rights. Uh, it's not a, they never talk about this issue. They never campaign on that argument because it's not representing their voter in the South. And uh, Marine Le Pen, a few years ago, she said that uh, the traditional divide is no longer between the left and the right, but between the uh, the globalists and the, the patriots. And in England uh, or the United Kingdom, we saw that in 2019 with Boris Johnson winning a lot of seats in the north for the first time. And in France, we're seeing this with the Macron-Le Pen uh, duel. Um, is something similar happening in Italy, do you think? A bit uh, now, it was like that more during the exactly the the five star Lega government. Now, unfortunately, to be honest, we are coming back to a point of center and right. Uh, with this election, we are more coming back on this type of argument. Also, because uh, the the foreign approach is changing, uh, we have a, a democratic government in you in the U.S. Uh, we have the war in Ukraine. Mm. So this situation is a bit re-stabilizing uh, or it's a coming back of this uh, block. Despite we still have also some uh, some topic about that, just coming back to the to the differences between uh, in, inside the right-wing coalition. We are campaigning against, uh, uh, not against, but we are campaigning to not enforce too much sanction against Russia. Yeah. And uh, we are campaigning uh, to be balanced in the situation of taking care of the economy, economic interest way more than about yeah. the feeling and uh, the emotion. Uh, but in the same right, we have the, the opposite, the, the, another point of view that is the Meloni one that mm. is really pushing strong for sanction and uh, pushing strong on uh, yeah. the, basically the, the US playbook that are playing on this war. Mm-hmm. And uh, and also the Berlusconi party, that is where it cannot be pointed out as a far-right party or anything like that. But uh, in the same way, there is also campaigning against sanctions in some way. Mm. And they are campaigning for a less uh, uh, hysterical approach of this war. So in some way, we, are, we, we, can refi- we can, maybe in the coming month, we can come back on this type of globalist and, and, and patriots approach when we take care also about foreign affairs. But in other issue, we are coming back into the normal divide between the right and left. And as you said, uh, Giorgio Maloney is is currently leading the polls. Um, Most British medias are describing her as a neo-fascist, successor to Mussolini. Is there any truth to that? Or what what is her background? To To be honest, yes, she came from the right. She came from the youth of uh, Movimento Sociale Italiano. So she came from the right, have a history of the right. But at the same time, uh, I think we, no one can say anything that she's still the neo fascist or she's still on the far right. She's campaigning really on the center in many, many issues. She's campaigning also in the, in the geopolitical atmosphere. She's campaigning even in the neocon liberal side. If we talk about Russia and Ukraine,
So I think it's more than hysteria, what the, your, the, the, the media reaction about Giorgio Meloni, than it was the reality on the ground. The reality on the ground is that also she's surrounded by former uh, Berlusconi party members, she's surrounded by some economic interests that are not, they are not saying that they are on the right or in the, the neo-fascist or in the fringe uh, society. That even to be totally honest in Italy, maybe we have a different approach of our history compared to Germany, but the, the, the neo-fascist movement are really marginal and they're not influenced at all as the, the media pretend to represent mm. them because it's the, maybe, maybe it's a topic that sells. So that's why they are always talking about that stuff, but it's not a topic that is uh, the reality of, uh, of average people. And in France, we, we recently had uh, the rise and fall of uh, Eric Zemmour, uh, who was making the, the headlines. Uh, so he was polling quite highly until the, the war came because it was seen as if he had, uh, he may have had a good cultural program in terms of immigration, but he was lacking the, the economic side. Uh, he had your sort of average liberal conservative program nothing new to offer really from macron is can the same reproach be made to georgia maloney or does she have the economics to go with her uh, her cultural program well the point is maybe the difference is is that uh, working in the coalition we have more uh, volatile uh, voters because they still vote for the right-wing coalition. So maybe people that voted for Lega and voted for Berlusconi in the past, they can say, this time I want something new, and they vote for Meloni, I trust her, she's a woman, she's a new face. So this is helpful for, uh, for the party uh, compared to the, the system that we have, that, that France have between uh, Marine Le Pen and, uh, and Zemmour. And also the fraction are a bit different uh, in, uh, in the country, in the society between France, uh, France and Italy. I since the beginning, I was a bit, uh, not skeptical, but I was a bit uh, calm on the intuition about Eric Zemmour because uh, he was campaigning maybe way good on the on the migration crisis, on the identity of France, but also he was not campaigning, from my perspective, uh, in the good mood of uh, the France, the deep France, of the uh, about economics. Uh, so that's why the, the, if you saw the stronghold of Marine Le Pen are the post-industrial zone and also the mm -hmm. conservative values zone as the Côte d'Azur and the south of France. And the, I see the beginning, I saw that, I told that Zemmour can win, can score good in south of France and in, uh, in Paris, but he cannot score good if you go in Pas de Calais, if you go in Lille, if you mm. go in this uh, post-industrial France where you have a really economic crisis, uh, struggling with uh, the paycheck and everything. And at the end, the result was that maybe he scored pretty well in VAR, in Côte d'Azur, not well enough as Marine Le Pen, because historically, even the memory of the voters is important, because if you tend to vote for the same, the same logo for almost 30 years, why are you going to change? Especially when you don't have a coalition, when you don't, you're not saying that, yes, okay, but the, at least the right are going to rise together. So maybe I can try something new. But if you go splitted, the voters are maybe too much conservative to, to jump from one party to another party. And also, I think he made some mistake uh, about um, 
campaigning only against uh, Marine Le Pen or campaigning too much against mm. uh, Macron or the, the Republicans. Yeah. But as I wrote in an article, he was stuck in the old uh, left-right divide, actually. He was uh, quite often attacking Jean-Luc Mélenchon instead of uh, Macron and his globalist agenda. Yeah. Um, I just wanted also just to talk about Matteo Salvini uh, because, so if, if we rewind, 2019 uh, European elections, uh, the Lega gets around 34% of the vote. Uh, I think they go even higher in the polls, I think to around 36, 37. Um, and then Salvini leaves the coalition hoping that elections will be called. He doesn't get them. And two or three years later, he now sits around 13% average poll at the moment. Do you think people saw him as a political opportunist for that decision? And do you think that was caused him to fall in the polls? Or why do you think he's he's fallen around twenty percent in the last? Well, I think one of the one of the biggest stuff is uh, is for sure the COVID because uh, after the the government collapsed, there was the COVID crisis, the freezing the society for almost two years. And uh, what is important for populism is that to have the people. And if you don't, if you cannot have the people, if you cannot keep people engaged, it's really complicated to stay, to keep the voters engaged with you. And uh, that was the problem that I think we, we saw with uh, Lega and Salvini, that we, it's not possible to hold any rally for two years in a row. It was not possible to meet your home people for two years in a row. And then it was also very complicated for, uh, uh, for a right-wing approach of the COVID. Because since the beginning, you, you have the, the voters, uh, the right-wing voters are really divided on the COVID issue. You have the old generation that are more uh, scared about COVID and more on the security and right of approaching of COVID. And you have the youth, and the youth voters of uh, the conservative movement that are more on the libertarian issue of COVID. Mm -hmm. So yeah, in this society, these are, this is very complicated to get along with to stay together. Giorgio mm. Meloni was playing on uh, very soft on COVID. She was not saying anything. She was hiding herself, basically, for almost the time of COVID. And then uh, this helped her to stay outside of the debate about COVID. And that's why Salvini maybe makes some uh, quick quick changement of approach on COVID. Uh, security in the beginning, liberty at the end, and people get confused. And it's normal, but everyone gets confused during this period. But if you're a politician, you have to give security to people and keep them aligned with your ideas for many, many years because elections are called every five years, not every year. So you, it's, it was very complicated. And I think that caused us a bit of voters. And the same as uh, not keeping in touch with, uh, with, uh, with us. So this is, was the true point. And yes, maybe people saw uh, also the former five-star voters that switched for Lega for the European election mm -hmm. after the government was dissolved, they get fed up. That's true. Uh, that's true because, and also stay in the government, give you some confidence and some that you can play a bit more aggressive on uh, on some uh, on some stuff. But uh, that that that's our, maybe maybe COVID I think is the most uh, cleavage about uh, the rise 
and the stabilizing of the guy in the power. And do you think, uh, looking back now, it was a mistake for uh, Lega to enter the coalition of Draghi's government, or was there no choice really at the time? Well, uh, as we used to say in Italy, with the with the maybe, you cannot, you, you never won the war. You can never win the war with maybe, maybe, maybe. So it, hmm. it's uh, it's it's tough to say that. I think it was a. Uh, I I was supportive of this decision to go inside the government. To be honest, I'm really disaffected by the Draghi figure because uh, I thought he was more brave. And he was more. Uh, it could be more brave ruling the country, more like a statement. And in the end, uh, it dissolved like a an average prime minister. To be totally honest, I don't. There is nothing so huge. That one, someone can say fix the situation or change the situation. So that you expected from uh, the former head of the the center, the European Central Bank. So I think on that we we everyone was a bit uh, disaffected by by Draghi figure for that because mm. maybe it was uh, maybe it was not his fault but the media fault. It's probably it's possible like that because. You know, the media are. It's like a, it's like in football. They someone a good player arriving, and uh, the media are talking very, very, very so well that when they miss a two penalty in a row, everyone says, "No, oh, it's, uh, it's not good." So I think that is also a problem that maybe in politics we drag it so, and people realize it for that. But uh, you know, I cannot say too much if it was a good or not uh, decision. I think it was a decision worth of it. Because uh, if you if you are in politics and if you, you don't play, it's maybe uh, you maybe stay outside of politics. Because you you do politics to rule, you do politics to put your action in mm. reality. And if you stay out of the government, you can never do that. Mm. And then uh, I, 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 there is some party that uh, are only uh, fate party, part of the student. That maybe the communists, uh, the old communists, or the far right part that maybe people vote uh, just to keep in the ideology alive. But uh, but at the end, uh, it's uh, you you have to play so to to deliver something in politics. So I think it was a worth solution. We did it, and uh, say that we regret it. Uh, it's maybe maybe even if we stay outside the poll, it can be even worse. So let's just touch upon some of the main issues in this election then so a topic which has been very hot in Italy for, for many years now is immigration so uh, going back to Eric Zemmour he began this sort of uh, trend of talking about the great replacement uh, is that something that is echoed in Italy and talked about often well, the migration was a huge topic, but now with the with, after COVID and after uh, the economic crisis related to the war, it's not really an issue. Uh, unfortunately, because it's it's an issue in the reality. If you look at the demographic trend, if you look at the changing of the society, but uh, unfortunately, in the voters' uh, opinion, it's coming uh, way low to economic crisis and uh, and and this situation. So unfortunately, now the big topic are more uh, about energy prices uh, and then 
and then uh, the the situation. And uh, famously, uh, Salvini, in, in I think it was two thousand nineteen, was was taken to court about uh, blocking uh, migrant ships uh, and was threatened with with fifteen years of prison. So it's. Uh, but I think Georgia Maloney is saying something similar for her policy that she wants the naval ships to to block uh, Mediterranean rescue ships. Yeah, she's campaigning on um, the problem. The point is that uh, with Salvini in the government, with the five star, in the, like a minister, we delivered on immigration. We delivered very toughly on immigration, mm. and then now, but now. Uh, they can, and we want to come back to our rule. We want to come back to our approach of uh, of uh, of ruling. But the George Meloni is campaigning more on uh, other issue as uh, uh, how can I say uh, a military block on Libya. Mm. The point is that uh, it's very controversial how this situation is possible because if uh, if you make a military block. You have to make a declaration of war. No. So it's a bit controversial how this uh, this situation is, uh, is, is. Is we can do it. So if the right wing coalition were to win, um, how do you think the immigration policy in in Italy will will develop? Well, it will develop uh, good. Because in any case, we are campaigning on a tough program about immigration. In any case, we are campaigning of a, a zero landing campaigning. So we don't want any boat. We don't want to take any boat. So it's, uh, it's not an issue on that. The, we're going to be on the right on that. And we're going to be on, uh, on a solid conservative government. So we will not allow to any NGO to make taxi for migrants between uh, Libya and Italy. And they will not, uh, and it will not be possible to anyone to to make money anymore in this uh, in mm. this uh, in this uh, human smuggling uh, crime. So for that, uh, it's pretty sure that we're gonna be tough. And I think with, with Salvini as interior minister, there's a guarantee on that. And uh, as you mentioned, uh, it's the energy crisis which is currently uh, dominating. Uh, the debate, how affected is Italy compared to other European countries uh, with this energy crisis? It's very affected. Uh, generally, uh, the company, the industry and the people are receiving some bills that are maybe 200, 300, 400% more than the last year. So the price is very high. On the especially on the company and the average people, so the inflation of energy is very high in, in Italy, and the point is that we are very reliant of Russian gas. Forty percent mm -hmm. of our gas coming from Russia, and now all the move about diversification, about Algerian gas or Egyptian one or uh, Israeli one, are too late. Are too late, and everything came from the same from the a mistake that was made backing the US, France and UK, bombing Libya and throwing out Gaddafi. To be totally honest, this was a huge mistake for our energy independence. We get rid of uh, of Libya that was supplying most of the gas and oil of Italy seen before the war. 
And then with that, we, we became so reliant of Russia, also because the left is blocking all the, the green are blocking any other plan. If you, if you have to be honest, I think that the greens were the perfect ally of Russia and China in the, in the, in the energetic yeah. crisis. Because they blocked all the nuclear development, they yeah. blocked the, uh, they blocked all the new pipeline from Azerbaijan, from Israel, from Egypt. If you think that in Italy, if you think that Egypt now have a huge gas Alzor, it's a huge gas uh, storage that they found in the Mediterranean Sea, and uh, ideologically, for some uh, NGO activist problem and so on, the left is campaigning to boycott this stuff, to don't get any Egypt gas. If you think that uh, Istmed is this pipeline from Israel, Cyprus, Greece, and Italy. It was blocked by the left because for the ideology against Israel and uh, for uh, for the Palestinian state. So this situation, uh, I think that really the green and the left are the West, the best ally of the, of the Russian in the recent history. And the China also about, about the the new re renewable sources. Uh, we think that all the solar panels are made in China or the eolic park basically are made in China also, and now they can we can get so reliant about uh, raw material from China from this uh, from this topic. It's really insane. It's really insane, and uh, uh, the development of the country was blocked by this uh, this ideology and these activists. And more in general about the economy. So inflation in Italy is now around eight point six percent. The interest rates on Italian government bonds is four percent. Uh, real wages in Italy falling at the fastest rate in all the EU, um, and unemployment in Italy has, has been most of the time over ten percent for the for, for quite a long time. Uh, what are, what radical solutions have been proposed to try and well, firstly in the short term, but more in the long run as well to to try and uh, help with this economic crisis and. I think for for our perspective, for the rising perspective, we have to work on many on on two or three uh, solution. One is about taxation. Italy, after Belgium, is one of the higher taxation in Europe of the income and also on the capital income. So we have to work on that. We have to slash it. We have to slash the taxation and to make uh, to leave more money in the market to be spent to be to, to make economy working. And then we have to work on energy independence, investing already now in the new nuclear power plants, in the new nuclear solution, and uh, in all the energy pipeline that we can get with other countries as possible, as Egypt, Azerbaijan, or uh, Israel, or whatever. So working on that, and then working on the bureaucracy. The cost of bureaucracy in Italy is very, very high, and we have to make the state less heavy on the people life mm -hmm. and in the, in the company and the company life. From, from the days, from the day one, from the day one, we have to work on that. And the, working on that issue, one of the important topics for Lega is to make a good uh, federal state and make a good uh, autonomy region, giving the, the region autonomy that they can deserve to work on uh, on this economic solution. Because also the bureaucracy and the 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 the, 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 the state machine is so complicated that is also leaving uh, investment outside of Italy. People don't want to invest from outside, from the U.S., from China, from whatever, to Italy, because it's too complicated to get along with the law and with the, uh, with the state. Just one final point on the economy is uh, the Italian uh, debt. 
so target two payments are, are rising quite quickly. There's a lot of talk about Italy possibly going in the same direction as, as Greece a few years ago and uh, having to enter the European stability mechanism. Do you think it, it could get to that point or is there a way that... Uh... I think we we have to avoid in any way possible to get uh, behind the Troika ruling because it's proven that it's not solving anything. It's only deteriorating the situation. So there's not a history, there's never a history of success of Troika in uh, maybe Chile in the 80s, but it was a long story and it was not a very democratic approach. So it's uh, I don't think we, we have to avoid in any way possible the situation, and uh, to be honest, uh, is not comparable the the Greece and the Italian uh, society and economic system. Uh, Greece is not a very industry-related uh, economic system. It's more about uh, tourism, it's about, about uh, services. In uh, Italy, we still have a huge manufacturing. We still have a huge uh, uh, industry system in the north of Italy. But the point is that until the north, is uh, blocked by this uh, bureaucracy and by this uh, heavy state. Italy cannot cannot imp- cannot evolve, cannot improve itself because we're gonna be stuck with this uh, taxation and this situation system that cannot leave uh, any any interest in the economy to to grow. And if if you if the north is the train of Italy is blocked, all the Italy is blocked. And. Uh... As you mentioned, the Troika, I just wanted to finish off with uh, talking a bit about Italy's relationship with the European Union, because in the last decade or so, it, it's been very difficult. So firstly, you you had the crisis when Berlusconi was refusing the austerity package and arguably he was forcibly removed uh, behind with a backdoors deal negotiating the EU. Uh, you, you've also had the EU reject uh, the Five Star Movement and Lega's budget. Um, then you had uh, Draghi, who was put into place, who was the former um, head of the European Central Bank. Um, but uh, it seems the right-wing coalition has, has still reaffirmed it, its support to uh, the European Union and uh, why is that? Do you think we don't? I think that the the Italian society is basically mostly pro EU, not blind food, not a blind pro EU ideological, but also pragmatical one. If, if if we think that we have an economic system that is very well integrated in the German economic system, basically the north of Italy is very integrated in the, the supply chain and the economic development of uh, the the real engine to Europe. That steal Germany about an enterprise and uh, and productiveness. So we still very well integrated in that. So I don't think it's a it's our topic to to quit the European Union or to well, then need a referendum about quitting the European Union. But it's more about staying in the European Union in a decent way, because uh, Italy is a net contributor of the European Union. That is a story that no one may be told too much, but uh, even the Italian media pretend to portray Italy. As a, no, we we need the European money. No, we don't need any European money because European money are our money. Every year, more than six billions go from to Italy to the European Union and then never come back. 
they go to Hungary, they go to Poland, they go to Romania, to Bulgaria, to Belgium even, because Belgium is a receiver of European found in the end. So we don't need, a, we just need a proper and a smaller European Union to get along. We don't need to get rid of all of this, but we need a more sober approach of the European Union, because I don't think we need a Europe where dictates the foreign policy. Because always we will, be, we will have a different foreign policy compared to France about Africa or compared to to other to Spain maybe there to to, to a Mediterranean Sea or something like that. So we don't need that, but we need a Europe where we can trade without any problem with each other. That can be fine. We need a Europe where we can make a freedom of capital if some bank of the, from the Netherlands want to invest in Italy or something like that. But we don't need any any too heavy bureaucracy that can dictate our value or can dictate our our way to approach uh, the, the society. And as, as part of the COVID recovery funds, uh, there's certain requirements that Italy m must follow if the right-wing coalition enters power. Do you think they will stick to those or do you think they'll try and renegotiate? We can try to renegotiate some fun stuff. And we think it's mandatory to renegotiate it because also the energy price is going too too high and uh, the raw material price are going too high. So we need to, to rebalance it in and the, 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 the price are completely different right now. So we cannot stay in the same path as, uh, as before the war erupted. And there was only a, a PNRF recovery fund for, uh, for COVID. Now we need a recovery fund also for, for the war. Uh, it's not it's not, it's not not possible to stay in the same budget so i think we have we have to work on that in, in the european in the european level but also taking into account that there is no free money and there is no money that can be printed as a as a from nothing because we are so we, we saw that the, the result of this inflation crisis not only the war it's also all the money printed by the ecb and the fed during the last few years so we have to be very careful on that so to, to finish off then, uh, what are some of your predictions for what, what is going to happen? I think and I wish that we can have a serious right-wing government, uh, a serious, uh, tough, solid and credible right-wing government. Uh, the best uh, solution can, can have, to, have to be find a good equilibrium between the, the three, four parties that are going to rule the coalition uh, and then uh, start a new chapter of uh, Italy also leading in Europe making uh, working together with all the, the right government that we have we have friend in Poland we have friend in Hungary we have we can have friend maybe Sweden. in Bulgaria when the election will be old in Sweden or uh, it's very strange to think about Sweden so <laughs> it's, ne it's never on the map on the right but it will be now and that it's very very good and then uh, and then see what happens because i think uh, if we stay in the good path and we you know we don't have to to be a bully or to be everything we have to be solid in and work well for our citizens uh, and then uh, also all the country we're going to take the same lead and get the same path uh, because also now i'm very the, the most scared stuff will be winter how we can get along with the energy crisis because we cannot propose people to get one shower per week to solve the crisis of energy. It's ridiculous. What is the greening, the greenest campaign, you know? 
but uh, we need to find a solution to provide energy to you know, a decent price to our economy and to to keep our economy working because we cannot go into uh, in the fancy uh, in some fancy the going down of the economy. No, we cannot go that. We have to go in the good way of uh, the future of uh, of energy independence of our country. Can we expect any surprises in the results of the election? I think the surprises could be uh, the five star that I think gonna take a solid result in my perspective, and then also that maybe Italexi party can enter the parliament. The uh, this populist uh, anti-vax uh, party, um, anti-U, anti basically everything party, and maybe can uh, can uh, can enter the parliament. And I think we don't have to under undervalue the Berlusconi. I think uh, he can still uh, making his own voice count. The man with nine lives, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> nine, nine lives and nine uh, wife. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, David, it's been uh, an absolute pleasure. Thank, thank you very much for uh, coming on to the show. Thank you, and then send me the link when uh, when you publish it. And uh, yep. Thank you, everyone, for, for listening. And uh, next time will be a, a special episode where I speak with uh, William Clouston, the leader of the Social Democrat Party. So thanks very much, everyone, and uh, see you soon. Bye-bye.